Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. As, as always, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, the Steelers are on a roll. They are steamrolling the league now, uh, Neil, taking it by storm. How did this happen? Uh, we, I, I think uh, mostly they won the coin toss in overtime. There you uh, go. <laughs> and uh, it, we're, we're able to uh, sack the quarterback for the first time in however long. Uh, I don't think that happened at all in the, the first half of, or the second half of regulation. But, um, you know, it, it's it's one of those things. It, it, you know, a, a tale of two halves is, is a pretty common story in a football game. And I'm not surprised. I, I don't think that the Steelers are um, – if if the game were to have gone point for point one way to the other, I think we would be less reactionary uh, following it than, than we were in this game. And obviously you've got the, the late game heroics uh, from TJ Watt, a player mm-hmm. that I, I found to not really be a factor at all um, in, in the second half of that game. He came up big when his team needed him mm-hmm. to, and that's great. Does that, does, does that define his entire game that night? I don't think so, but it, it certainly was memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody needed to make a play, finally. But, you know, somebody needed to make a play on five drives in the second half, and nobody did. So um, it, it, for it to have had kind of a, a controversial, weird um, ending in regulation, followed by two big plays and the Steelers finally closing it out, it, it, felt, it felt to me really just to kind of be a microcosm of what this season – is probably going to be for Pittsburgh. They're going to do great things at times. They're going to do not great things at times. Um, they'll make plays at, at some point when they need to. We'll, we'll see them win games. Um, they're going to lose a lot of games like this one, though. Mm-hmm. And I think a, a, a more complete Seahawks team probably uh, it takes them with the way that they had played in the second half. But at the same time, they did a great job in the first half. I think that really was kind of the, the offense that you could expect to see uh, from Pittsburgh. It's two games in a row. I'm very encouraged by that. Uh, the fact that their offense um, was able to string series together, do things consistently uh, well. You know, it didn't start off the best, but it, it wasn't terrible either. Um, they, they weren't making a ton of mistakes, which is what we saw earlier in the season. So they, I think they're taking a step forward. Uh, you really did see an exposed defensive front seven. Um, and a large part of that is just due to the fact that after a while, when teams are getting enough film on this this beleaguered Steelers defense, they're going to start to pick them apart, and that, that's definitely what uh, Alex Collins and the, the Seahawks were able to do. You know, give them credit; it was a yeah. good scheme. They attacked it well. Um, they, they 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 ran well. Uh, they controlled the the controlled all of the action in the third quarter. They had 175 yards of offense in the third quarter. I mean, that's that's a 700 yard game. Um, it, it felt every bit of that as well. They had the ball for, for the entire time. Pittsburgh couldn't respond with anything, and that just kind of shows that the gang to the first half the end, they're able to do good things at times, but I don't think they're they're complete enough as a team uh, to, to play at an outstanding level for four quarters. They're going to take their lumps, and they're going to have to be able to swing back uh, probably a little bit better than they did against Seattle Sunday night. Yeah, um, it's interesting because we have now lived in a world of highlights for a long period of time, and highlights are always the greatest plays. You watch the game, and you know you watch every game. Why really hasn't played all that great this season? But he made a couple of highlight plays in that game, including the one at the end. And I, I mean, that's my assessment. Is that what you saw? 
Absolutely. Um, I think that the groin injury that he suffered in uh, the, the first half of week two has has limited him quite a bit. No question. I, I think that, that and that and that's and that's from not having train and that's from not having training camp. Very well could be. You know, the, the conditioning piece of it. I, I said this uh, to, to some people earlier this week as well. The conditioning piece is not just when you're on the field; it's your recovery. Um, it, is it perhaps taking him a little bit longer? I, I don't know, but I, I thought uh, perhaps Devin Bush would be in shape as well. He looks like a shell of the player that, that we've seen. I'm not even sure how great of a player that was back then. He has a groin injury along with you know the, the, the rehab still uh, ongoing uh, from the ACL surgery. So he's not quite the same player right now either, but these are players I think that are going to play back uh, to a, a pretty decent level. And you can count on them probably, you know, within a couple of weeks still. Uh, it, it's something Watt, considering the money that he's making, is going to need to overcome. And it certainly looks like he did uh, on, on the two plays, you know, back-to-back series and overtime. It was, it was great to see him do that. But he disappeared for a good chunk of that game. Um, he wasn't there. And I, I, I yeah. dared mention that after the game. And people screamed that I he tipped a pass at the line of scrimmage, like, all right, that, that's great. You know, <laughs> I'm not downplaying that, but it, it's not the performance um, that, that you would categorize as one of the best that he's had. And he's a, he's a big stage player. You remember the, the Buffalo game no question. two years ago, they yes. had no business beating that Buffalo team and they yep. didn't, but they competed with them largely because of the strength that TJ Watt showed in that game. I thought that that might've been the, the, the final touches on a defensive player of the year for him. Um, he was at that level. He didn't win it, but uh, he was certainly competitive for it. Um, he, he's not playing at that level uh, overall. He's not making a play for series, which is really kind of what you expect from a, a, a dominant, highly paid edge rusher. And a large part of that is going to be because of his injury. Once he can come off of that, they can get a little bit more help. But to me, more than anything, the real story is uh, what it's showing is just how completely dominant Cam Hayward has been. He's, he's been. Yeah. That's why. See, I look at a, at a game like a defense is on the field, anywhere from fifty to seventy plays, and we see the highlights of two or three great ones. You watch Hayward; it seems like of the fifty to seventy plays, he's turning in thirty-five to forty really good ones all the time, even though he may not be making the tackle. Yeah, if if you're worried about anybody staying healthy right now, it's Hayward. Yes, he's, he's doing the job of two people. Um, they're he they. He's not supported much on that defensive line. Uh, with all due respect, I, I think to, to his credit, I, I won't call out Chris Wormley. I think Wormley has played very well uh, for what they, they were hoping. They're getting more um, more from him than they would have would have hoped. Isaiah Bugs is not a great player. Uh, Carlos Davis hasn't played in, in however long. Uh, Henry Mondu is there when, when bad things are about to happen. They're not getting much around Hayward and he's having to do so much. And that's really what Seattle did. They ended up staying away from Hayward as much as humanly possible, trying to put somebody on the backside to to be able to get in his way. And then they just double teamed everything in front of him. They basically said, we're not worried about, we're going to stay away from you. We're just going to concentrate on this side of the field and play as if you're not even there and hope you don't get to our, our ball carrier before he gets to the hole, which is going to be wide open because your linebackers aren't making plays. Your, your secondary is missing tackles left and right. And that's part of the reason why they, they ran for a, a huge amount of success in three drives um, that all started within the third quarter. Two of them were scoring drives. Cam Hayward was they, – they had to scheme around the individual. And, frankly, that might not be the guy that teams would typically try to, to scheme around. 
Um, Watt would be your concern. A guy like Minka might be more of your concern. They focused intently on Hayward and did not want him to be a factor against the run. And they got run all over when they were able to, to just simply get away from him, not go anywhere near him. To make your team that one-dimensional and to, to have that be an active choice that mm-hmm. the Seahawks made, right. it goes to show, one, how valuable Hayward is, how good he's playing. Yes. And most importantly for the Steelers, there isn't anyone else against the run making plays. They're telling them exactly where they're running the ball, and there was nobody there. Uh, guys couldn't get off blocks. Collins got you know maybe tapped around the line of scrimmage and still ran for five six more yards it, it was a it was a pretty bad uh, run defensive performance yeah. and you, you hate to see uh, 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 you hate to see that happen when cam hayward was on the field but right. my thought was really like oh man heaven help him if, if cam hayward's not on the field right, they're, they're, big trouble. they're in significant trouble you think it's bad if, if watt is injured see what happens if hayward gets injured I know they're trying to promote stars as often as possible. That's why we have to see, you know, anywhere from 15 to 18 Aaron Donald replays when the Rams play. Same thing with Watt. I mean, look, I mean, look, let's face it. You're sitting at home. We're not stupid. Well, I felt like they were trying to do the same thing with Najee Harris the other night. I think Harris is a really good rookie who's he's he's only playing instead of with, with five cards in his hand he's only playing with three because the offensive line is a problem what have you thought of of Harris to this point because I think he's talented there's no getting around it but I went back specifically to, to look at some of the stuff that I wrote about Le'Veon Bell his rookie year yeah and before getting into that I will say this I was, in, in my world anyway, kind of famous for not really liking the Bell pick when they made it. Mm-hmm. And I will point out, his rookie year, he played at about 243 pounds. Right. To the point, the scouting report on Le'Veon Bell was he was a Jerome Bettis-type running back. That's laughable to me. <laughs> Le'Veon right. Bell did not play at all like Jerome Bettis. He couldn't have a worse comparison for him. He was a really big uh, zone running back. He was not a power guy at all. And Bell played exactly like that his rookie year. Yet he always racked up, you know, positive praise from his coaches. And he made some plays. You were you were excited about the direction he was going. I remember in particular um, the whole nonsense rule that the ball dies wherever the, the player's helmet comes off after two Ravens players literally destroyed his helmet, hitting him there. Uh, the, I think it was the Thanksgiving game or a, a, a primetime game not long after that, right. knocked him out, and the ball was dead right there, despite the fact Bell landed in the end zone after it. Um, it, it a, a, a great player in the making. When Bell shed 20 pounds, that's when he became Le'Veon Bell. That's right. So he needed a, a season and an off season and two camps to turn into the player that he was when he destroyed the Browns in, in week one of 2014. Mm-hmm. He was a completely different player. Mm-hmm. You were really excited about him then. I, I feel so much of the same type of thing with Dodgy, and I'm not going to say that he needs to lose weight or anything like that. He carries his weight a lot better. Yes, than he does. Um, he, he is just an amazing athlete, and he's, he's getting better. You can see him get better, but he misses a lot. You know, I, I think his film reviews are, are pretty long. Um, not that he shouldn't. He's a rookie. It's just he's being touted as a player with, with this high-end production, and he's only had statistically one outstanding game. And he, mm-hmm. he was bad against Seattle. He didn't do anything. Um, to your point, I agree with completely. 
the amount of, of ramming the square peg into the square, the, the, the round hole that they tried uh, to do with him in that game was amazing. I was like, this isn't working. You know, you're, you're not able to do much with him. And they ran a bunch of different stuff. Uh, to me, it's, you're, you're really trying to drive a Ferrari in a 25 mile an hour zone. It, it's not working as well as you want it to. And you keep, you know, kind of gliding around the block wanting to open it up and you can't because you don't have the surrounding environment to do that. Their offensive line it is not, uh, they're not standing up well to this point. I, I will say this, uh, Zach Banner, it sounds like he's going to return at, at right tackle on, um, on, on the next, the following week, I should say the game right. against Cleveland. They're mm-hmm. on by next week. Of course, it sounds like that that's part of the plan. And I would imagine that will move Chooks core for uh, over to left tackle and right. get poor Dan Moore back on the bench. He's, he's clearly not ready for the action that he's gotten mm-hmm. and hats off to him for the effort. But I think with that, you will see an improvement uh, with what they're able to do schematically. But right now, um, a lot of people are looking much more down the line than where Harris is today. Right now, he's a running back who misses a lot of holes. He's a running back that if he can get outside and get one-on-one, uh, he might be able to make a play. But he's not a breakaway back. Right. He's not a pure power guy mm-hmm. in the middle either. He's a lot of a lot of things. He's not a dominant player in any one of them. So, uh, to me, he's more of a production guy right now. I, I don't think that he is especially – uh, outstanding. He is talented. You're right. Um, he's talented. He's lacking in he, he's lacking in vision, and he clearly does not have the athleticism uh, to outrun NFL players. And we're seeing that more and more. He's not going to be a game breaking guy. You're excited if he gets ten yards. You know, well, you have to set him up in the passing game. He's not going to be able to create that on his own the way that the top guys will. But we'll 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 see. You know, I, right. I, he needs reps for sure. He needs to run more. Uh, which is weird considering he played at a major school for, for a while and he's 24 years old coming into to this season. So there, there's work that he needs to put in. And I think that uh, I, I trust his work ethic. I, I yeah. you have to love his character. I, think I agree a great with that. Kid. Absolutely. Um, you, you hope that he develops that. But what we're seeing right now is pretty rough. Um, well, it, it's not nearly as good as people are making it out to be. Here's, here's the issue. He played at Alabama, okay? Big plus. Which means that and he led the SEC in broken tackles. But the first contact normally, and I'm yeah. generalizing here, was usually five, six yards down the field when you got a head of steam to break a tackle. Right? And, and it's a cornerback coming in right. from the edge. You right. know? Exactly. Or he hurdles somebody. But, again, that would be, what, yeah. five to ten yards down the field. That's when the first contact was taking place. In the NFL, the problem he has with this offensive line is the first contact's taking place in the backfield. And you know, and it's just that you don't have that head of steam, and you got to be really ultra special to break those tackles like like that because you don't have the head of steam to do it. As opposed to Alabama, when you were five or six yards down the field, and really because of where you stood, that means you're already nine to ten yards forward before you get hit because you're lining up in the backfield. Yeah, that's a big part of the reason why that the Alabama offensive linemen are often being drafted higher than no back question. Back. Um, they're, they they have a great scheme. I don't need to tell you that of all people. You know, you you, you have a, a far better insight of that than I do. But um, he's not able to make guys miss when he's in the backfield. And if he is, and he ends up leading the league in missed tackles, he, he's not going to have the production that matches that stat. He's going to become right. one of the weirder statistical outliers yeah. the game has seen. And it, it's it, it's great that he can break tackles. He's never going to be. Uh, he's doing that with his strength, not his elusiveness. And I think that really should be more of a stat for um, a running back's ability to evade. 
Uh, he's he's stiff arming guys. He's mm-hmm. knocking them down because he's yeah. strong. Yep. You're not going to get away with that a whole lot in the NFL, and you're going to take a, an awful lot of contact to do it. He's definitely a, a, a featured member of their offense, and again, you like to see where it's where it's going. But you're going to get a lot of games like you saw on Sunday. What was it, 15 for 33, something yeah. like that? Yeah, uh, he, he was often used in in the passing game as well. Mm-hmm. He's had. Yeah, I, I think of the six games he's played, five of them he's he's carried the ball at an average of of less than three and a half yards carry. Right. Um, he's noticeably worse than what Bell was at this point. Even if he does have more yards, right. he just gets the ball a lot more. That, that's what right. I mean when I say he's purely a production guy right now. Uh, they they need to find a way to get him the ball in space. They need to find a way to create a lane for him to get through, and then let him use the ability that he has to take you know a two yard gain and make it into six. That that's really who he is as a player. Well, I'll save this for next week when you come back because this has been the bye week. I want to get your thought next week on overall how you feel Matt Canada is handling the offense based on the personnel that he has available to him. So I want to give you a chance to think about that. Because, again, it's an excellent question. It was a plan of, of something to watch yeah. um, this, this coming week in, in lieu of a game to have to break down and analyze. Yeah. There's a lot there. It's, it's very interesting to this point. Right. Because, again, the key is what are you running offensively based on yes. the talent that you have? With what you have. Right. And see, that's never – nobody ever brings up both parts. It's always like, what do you think of a scheme? Like, oh, for goodness sakes. <laughs> okay. Based talking on, about the, they're right. talking about the success of plays, not yeah. the scheme. It, right. it's, you know, they're, they're, yeah. Those are not mutually exclusive things. Yeah, exactly. you know, it, it's, so. There's a lot that goes into it. Right. But uh, it's it's an interesting question. Yeah. He's had a, he, yeah. he had a Herculean yeah. task this entire yeah. offseason. I know that. Well, we'll talk about that next week. Thank. Hey, enjoy your bye weekend. I hope you get a chance to do something fun because uh, you work so hard. We appreciate you very much. I, I appreciate coming back. Thanks for having me.